Thanks for listening in to the Calvary Podcast, coming to you from Miami, Florida. We're so glad you've joined us. We hope today's message will encourage you and remind you that God is with you and He's for you. Here's today's message. Starting in Ecclesiastes 1, and uh, we're looking at what Solomon uh, has to say. He's a person in the Bible. He was the son of David and the wisest man in the world. And uh, he starts out, it kicks off Ecclesiastes uh, in a pretty encouraging, fun way. And if you want to turn with me to chapter 1, this is Solomon. This is how he kicks off the book. This is, what he, this is what he's talking about, life. And Solomon goes on by saying this. If you can read up in your Bible, we're going to have it on the screens as well. Uh, it says this. The words of the teacher... Solomon, son of David, king in Jerusalem, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning? Thank you, Solomon. What do people gain from their labors at which they toil under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth remains forever. The sun rises and the sun sets, hurries back to where it rises. The sun blows to the south and turns to the north. Round and round it goes, ever returning on its course. All streams flow into the sea, yet the sea is never full. To the place that streams come from, there they return again. All things are wearisome, more than one can say. The eye never has enough seeing, nor the ear its fill of hearing. What has been will be again, and what has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. Is there anything which one can say, look, this is something new. It was here long ago. It was here already long ago, and it was here long before our time. No one remembers the former generations, and even those yet to come will not be remembered, but those who follow them. And you're probably wondering, like, why is this even in the Bible? What is going on right now? But I really believe that uh, once, when we get in this, once we unpack this, it all makes sense. And there's a true meaning to what this is all about. And really, Solomon is going to start breaking it down, and we're going to look into it. But let's go and pray and ask God to bless our time together. And uh, it's going to be an amazing time in church. Lord Jesus, we thank you for everything that you've done. We thank you for Easter weekend. We thank you for all the 200 lives that were changed and made brand new in you, Jesus. And we're believing that, God, because you are still risen, you still want to work in us today, Jesus. And we're believing that, God, you're going to move. And anybody here that maybe they're asking that question, what is life and what is purpose and what is their meaning and where can they find purpose and meaning today? I believe that they can find the answer in you today, Jesus. So, Lord, we love you and we thank you. And everybody said... Amen. Amen. Thank you so much. And uh, church, I, I got to be honest with you. I, I love roller coasters. Anybody a roller coaster lover like me? I love it. If you don't love it, it's okay. I'm not judging you. I, I get it. They could be scary. And for me, I'm, I'm kind of crazy. So like, I love the roller coasters that go really fast, that go really high, that turn a lot. Like I'm, I'm a big Hulk fan. Have you guys ever ridden the Hulk? The Hulk is amazing. If you haven't ridden it yet, you got to. You got to at least do it once. And uh, that's what I love about Islands of Adventures. I love the Hulk. I love the roller coasters. I actually went recently and they closed down Dueling Dragons. And I was like, why did they do that? RIP Dueling Dragons. I don't know what happened to it, but it was one of my favorite roller coasters because it was so crazy where you would have two roller coasters and they would literally like get so close to each other. It would be like this rush, this thrill, like, oh my gosh, we got so close. And you would get into the roller coaster all freaked out and your adrenaline's going, but then you would leave like, this was the most fun. You had this euphoria, this feeling of like thrill and like, ex like suspense of like, I gotta do it again. And that's, that's where I come to like my, like I love roller coasters, but Here's where I kind of have a problem with roller coasters. You see, roller coasters last about, what, like 90 seconds? Uh, they're not that long. 
And what you have to do is you get on the roller coaster and then you have to get back in a line where you're gonna be waiting about an hour, two hours, even three hours to get that euphoria, to get that rush, to get that thrill. Again, that's, that's my problem with roller coasters. It's like, okay, I just rid the Hulk. I feel like I just got scrambled egg. Like my body's all over the place. Like I feel like what, what's happening right now. But I gotta go again because I loved it. It was so much fun, the thrill, the speed, the rush. But then you go back and you're like, oh, this line, uh, I should have got the fast pass. So it's an hour, you're waiting in line for a 90-second thrill. And that's the thing about roller coasters. They're fun, but they're not filling. You, you, like, you, you, gotta, you, you get this 90-second thrill for a moment, but you got to get back in line to feel that euphoria again. And it's kind of like, like life. That's what we gravitate towards. What can give me this feeling of satisfaction? What can give me this purpose? What can I gravitate towards? That can, it'll be fun. It'll feel good for a moment, but it's not filling. I have to keep going back to it to feel the same feeling. I think so many times the conflict I see in, in today's society is that we're looking for the thrill. We're looking for purpose. We're looking for meaning. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for satisfaction in all the wrong things. And we go to these things hoping that we'll get that thrill, hoping that we'll feel some sort of that goody, goody, goody feeling inside of us for a moment. But what we do is we end up going back to it because it goes away. It's, it's like a vapor. And you see, that's the conflict I think we see in today's society. I, I think we're all looking for that question, what is life? What is meaning? What is purpose? But I believe we're looking for it in the wrong place. Uh, there was a study that John Hopkins University did with 8,000 students in uh, 48 different campuses. And what they did was that they asked college students, you know, hey, what, what's, what's most important to you in life? Is it getting married? Is it finding a job? Is it, is it money? Is it having kids when you get older? And uh, you'd be astonished by the, the, the stats that they found in this study. Only 16% said that the most important thing to their life is making money. But 75% said the most important thing in their life is finding what their meaning and purpose in life is. I mean, isn't that so true? You don't have to be a college student to understand that. We can all walk around asking, what, what is life all about? There's got to be more than life to this. I have a job. I have my family. I have the kids. I have the nice house. I feel like life is good. I got my degree. But, but there's got to be more than life to this. Is this really that this all crack, life is all cracked up to be? Is this my purpose? Am I really born to just go through the motions and wake up, sleep, go to work, repeat? And maybe not that order, but wake up, go to work, sleep. Maybe it's some for some people. I don't know. But it's, <laughs> it's like wake up, sleep. Wait a minute. That's not how it works. Unless your job is sleeping. Wait a minute. But uh, you know what I'm saying? You get into this routine, this cycle of life like, okay, like, is this it? Is this, is this all life's cracked up to be? There's got to be more than life to this. Maybe you're here and you're like, well, maybe my search is, you know what, Phil, I, if I had a lot of money, then I could be happy. If, if, I, if I, you know, maybe get, get a raise or maybe get, I become a CEO or I become someone with status and stature and I get money and I get influence, then I could be satisfied. I love what Jay-Z says. If you don't know who Jay-Z is, he is a rap mogul. He's also a successful business person. He says this about money. And did he just say Jay-Z in church? Happiness is deceiving. People think money and happiness equate to each other, and they don't. I have a lot of money, but my happiness has not risen at the same amount as my bank account. They aren't tied to each other. There are a lot of people with a lot of money who are not happy. They become a prisoner to their money. This guy's a billionaire. He's married to another billionaire. You would say life is pretty good, and here he's saying, no, my bank account does not equate to my happiness. If you're looking for money, it's not going to give you happiness. I love what Jim Carrey says. Jim Carrey, we all know who Jim Carrey is. He can make everybody laugh in this place. He's, he's a legend. He says this, I think everybody should get rich and famous and do everything they ever dreamed of so they can see that it's not the answer. This is Jim Carrey. Like, dude, Jim Carrey, you're supposed to make me laugh. Like, this is like, you're making me think. I'm convicted. Like, what's going on here? 
go out, be famous, make money, have influence, be successful. Those aren't bad things to go after, but they're not the answer. And really the focus of this series, the focus of what we're trying to accomplish here is knowing that there is an answer. It's a, it's a life found in Christ Jesus. That when you, when you correlate your life to the life of Jesus, when you accept Jesus into your life, you can find meaning. You can find purpose. You can find purpose today for a better tomorrow. If you, if you start by saying, you know what, I've tried all these things, I'm, I'm going after these things. Some of you may have it, some of you may be CEOs, your businesses are successful, but you're asking yourself, there's got to be more than life to this. This can't be it. There, there's got to be more purpose, there's got to be more meaning. And Solomon, what Solomon is saying here is Solomon is going, hey, a life disconnected from God in eternity is meaningless. Here is a man that had everything. Solomon was the wisest man in the entire world. He had an encounter with God that changed his life. At a young age, God goes, Solomon, I'll give you anything you desire. What is it? And he goes, I want wisdom. He could ask for anything. I want more girls. I want more money. I want all this. I want a big palace. But he goes, I want wisdom. And he granted him wisdom. He, God was so impressed by his answer that he gave him wisdom and he gave him all those desi the other desires of his heart. And here's Solomon saying, hey, I had, if there's anyone that could talk about life, it's me. God chose Solomon specifically to speak on life, how to live it, and how not to live it. And here was a man, if we were to equate his, his earnings, his income, to today's times, he would be making $1.5 billion a year. He'd be one of the most richest men in the world today. He had 700 wives and 300 concubines. You could say he was pretty satisfied with the women department. He was doing pretty good. The thing is, I think about 700 wives and I think about 700 mother-in-laws, and I, I don't know if that works out anyways. I don't know how that works, but it's great. But uh, it's one of those things where like 300 concubines, you have 700 wives, what do you need 300 more concubines? Concubines is, it, it's, it's for pleasure. It's not like to like sit down and like, how's your, how's your day, honey? How's going? Like that's not what that's for. And he has all this stuff. And it's like, okay, he's got the money. He, he's got the women. He's also the wisest man in the world. Those people would travel all around the world to just sit at the feet of Solomon, just hear him speak. He was that wise. People wanted to be around him. And here is saying that his opening lines of his book, everything is meaningless meaningless it's all meaningless you have to understand meaningless in hebrew comes from a word um hevel and hevel what it means is it's, it's smoke it's vapor everything is vapor everything is smoke everything is here today gone tomorrow everything is you could see it but when you try to grab it you can't grab onto anything isn't that smoke smoke you can see smoke at a distance but when you try to grab it all you get is a handful of nothing that's what that's what he's saying life without god is He's not saying life is meaningless. Life is great, but without God, it's meaningless. There's no purpose. There's no fruit from it. There's no, there's no meaning. There's, you could go around the world looking for all these things, but Solomon's saying, I've been there and I've done that. And he's coming from a place at his old age where he's gone through everything. We're going to look more about what his life looked like. He did all, this, he did all these things. He accomplished so many, so many things. And here he's saying, he's opening up and he's living on his deathbed and he's going, don't make the same mistakes that I made. You have a chance to change your life today. In Christ Jesus, you can have a brand new life. It's not over yet. Hear my words. Hear my examples. Don't do the things that I did. I knew God, and I wasted the blessing of God to go out to the things that the world had to offer. And here he's saying, don't do that. Don't, don't make the same mistake. And the question is now, okay, Solomon, okay, okay, Phil, what, what, what does it mean then? How do I live life? How do I find purpose? How do I live in the life full of hevel, full of smoke and vapor? Because time is coming for all of us. And I don't want to waste my time on things that don't matter. I want to live with a purpose. I want to live with meaning. How do I do that? And the first thing we need to look at, the first thing, if you're taking notes, is this. Is the best way to live under the sun is to live in the sun. 
The best way to live under the sun is to live in the sun. And what do I mean by that? I want to look at Ecclesiastes, uh, where we just read the first, the first ver- or the third verse. And I want you to look at what Solomon says. He says, what do people gain from all their labor at which they toil under the sun? Toil meaning work. What do they gain from their work under the sun? Look what he says in Ecclesiastes 1, 8 through 9, later in the verses. He goes, all these things are weary- wearisome. More than one can say, the eye never has seen enough, nor the ear its filling of hearing. What has, ha, what has been will be again. What has been done will be done again. There is nothing new under the sun. And that phrase, he says it twice, under the sun. He actually says it 38 times in Ecclesiastes. What he's saying is under the sun, meaning this world, what we see, the material world, living in this life without an eternal perspective, living for everything under the sun, only for the things that this life has to offer, living with a perspective of, okay, I'm here on this earth, I'm gonna do everything that the world, what society says, gives me, gives me happiness, I'm gonna do that. That's what it means to live under the sun. And he's saying here, is, what's the point of our work? What's the point for living under the sun when, when it's all meaningless? You know, like, what, what's the point where, like, I feel like the hardest thing we could do in life is give up control because we feel like if we control everything in our life, then we could be happy, right? Like maybe you're a parent here and you feel like you have to control your, your kids. I don't want my kids to go down the wrong path. So I'm going to control every step they make, what class they take, what college they go to, everything they do. I'm going to make sure they have a phone, all these things. I'm going to take it. And you're controlling everything, right? Or maybe you're, you're a boss and you're like, your, your happiness, your success is based on how your coworkers are. If I could control how they work, how they are, how, 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 they, how they talk, how they speak, if they get in all the time, which are, these are all good things. But the control is, we have to understand, we don't really control anything in life. You can get straight A's and not get into the college you want. You can have an amazing resume and still not get the job you want because we, life is not in our control. But I feel like we're so stressed and like, I have to control everything. My toil, my work, that's, what's giving me, that's what gives me happiness. If I could control how my life is, how my family is, how my friends are, how my coworkers are, how the people under me are, then I'll be satisfied. Maybe it's not control. Maybe it's you're waiting for the next best thing. I can't wait for that next flat screen TV to come out. Then I'll be happy. Go watch my... Sunday, Sunday, you know, watch Dolphins, you know, hopefully win a game on my new flat screen TV. It's going to be awesome. Or maybe you're looking for, well, that next movie, the, the, the trilogy. I saw the first one, but I've seen it so many times, it, I don't want to watch it anymore. I, I want the next one to come out, and the next thing, and the next thing, and we're all looking for the next thing. And Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. There's nothing new. We're going to want one thing, and we're going to get bored with it, and then we're going to want another thing. I'm going to confess I have a problem with shoes. I, I have an addiction with shoes. I love buying shoes. I just bought a sh- pair of shoes. I wore them. I love them. They're amazing, but now I want another pair because that's life because that's a human instinct. We just we, we get bored quick. We get, we, social media is becoming bored in society. I read an article the other day where now uh, this generation, Generation C, is getting bored with the Internet, and we all thought the Internet was the greatest thing, but now they're bored with it. What's the next thing? So is it control or is it waiting for the next best thing? Solomon is saying everything under the sun has no purpose, has meaningless. It's not, it's not, it's not going to fulfill you. And what you're going to end up doing is trying to control everything, waiting for the next best thing, and you're going to find yourself in life on a cycle, just going over and over. It's like being on a treadmill. You're moving, but you're not going anywhere. You're controlling everything. You're waiting for the next thing. Okay, I tried it. What's next? Oh, I have it. What's next? I need something else. And you're just in this vicious cycle not really knowing that you're living out your true purpose or your true meaning. You see, there's a, there's, a, there's a story in the Bible of a person who, she was stuck in a cycle. She was looking for meaning. She was looking for satisfaction. She was looking for purpose in all the wrong places. And it's found in John 4. And this is a story of the Samaritan woman. You have to understand, this is, this is a woman who, she's had six divorces, and the guy that she's with right now is not her husband. 
And she has a reputation because you have to understand in that time frame, getting a divorce, just one was like frowned upon, was shunned. Like you can't, you can't eat with us. You can't talk with us. We want to stay away from you. She's had six. And the guy that she's with right now is not her husband. And the town knows it. The, the area knows it. And she's, she's been outcast. But she's in this cycle of, okay, maybe this guy will give me the thing that I'm looking for. Maybe this guy will understand me when I talk. Maybe this guy will give me, will give me pleasure. Maybe this guy, and it's just a cycle. And she's in a cycle, trying to control relationships, trying to find the next best thing. Okay, this guy didn't work out. Let me try a new guy. And she's stuck in that vicious cycle until she has an encounter with Jesus. And it says in John 4, starting in verse 7, it says, When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, Will you give me a drink? His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? A little backstory, Jews and Samaritans hate each other. Like, not dislike, they hated. It was said, history tells us that the Samaritans tried to build a temple to worship, and the Jews burned it down because they weren't going to have anybody worship and, and twist their religion. So this is like bad blood here. No, one, no, one tra no Jew traveled through Samaria. For, so for Jesus to be here is a big deal. And he's talking to her, and she's like, how are you asking me for a drink? Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us this well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? And look what Jesus answered here. If you're stuck in a cycle and you're stuck trying to, trying to figure out what your purpose and meaning is and you're, you're going to all these wrong places and you're seeking in all these places, look what he says because this is for you here. He says, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Everybody that keeps going to the world for satisfaction, you're going to be thirsty again. It's going to be fun, but it's not going to fill you. It's going to feel good for a moment. You're going to go back to it. And look what he says. He says, but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The good news is that Jesus didn't, didn't leave us here to live under the sun. That once we give our life to him, we are now in the sun. And we have a fresh start. We have a new life. We have a fresh perspective. We have peace. We have hope. We have meaning and purpose in our life like never before. But keep going to those things because you're going to get thirsty. You go to Jesus and he said, come to me. I'm the only well that can satisfy. I'm the only well that can give you true satisfaction. You see, in Jesus, when we accept Jesus into our lives, we will be filled with new things. A new name, a new life, a new community, a new help from angels, a new commandment, a new covenant, a new and living way to heaven, a new purity, a new nature, a new creation in Christ Jesus. All things become new. The Bible tells us in John 10, 10, that he came that we may have life and life more abundantly. That's why that was his purpose. And now we can tag along and take his purpose and make it our own. That he came that we would have life abundantly. Not a boring life, not a mundane life, not a life that's just going through the motions, going through the cycle. That once we accept Jesus, we will never thirst again. We're not going to be perfect, but we're not going to thirst because we know where our eternity lies. We know that our life, when we, when we are, say our last breath here, our first breath begins in heaven. We're going to keep going. We're not held to being under the sun. We now live in the sun, and we can now have eternal perspective and not be tied down to the work we have here on earth. Second thing is this. Our external experiences will never change our internal realities. Our external experiences will never change our internal realities. And what do I mean by that? What experiences in life are you trying to, trying to replace, trying to, trying to put into your heart that would, that would kind of filter it to make you feel good for a moment, to give you satisfaction for a moment? You see, Solomon, he had a relationship with God. It was crazy. His story's kind of tragic. He was the wisest man in the world, but he lived a life making the unwisest decisions that you can make. He knew it all. He had a relationship with God. He had an encounter with God. 
But here he is saying, you know what? That, that's great, but I want, to, I want a taste of what the world has to offer. I want to see what the world has to, I see everybody doing this. I see, I see joy in everybody's face when they, when they drink, when they, when they party, when, when they do this and that. But, but, but I've been stuck in this relationship with God, so I'm going to try that out. For the wisest man, he was making some unwise decisions. Look what it says in Ecclesiastes 2, going to chapter 2. This is Solomon speaking about the pleasures of this world and looking for satisfaction, looking for purpose and meaning in pleasure. And he says this, I said to myself, come now, I will test you with pleasure to find out what is good. But that also proved to be meaningless. He said, laughter, I said, is madness. What does pleasure accomplish? I tried cheering myself up with wine and embracing folly. My mind still guided me with wisdom. I, I knew what was right. I knew what I needed to do. I knew I needed to stay close to God, but I'm going to try this out. I'm going to keep on seeing what this is all about. I wanted to see what was good for people to do under the heavens, under the sun, during the few days of their lives. I wanted to see what people do for happiness on earth. What do people, where do, you, where do they go to satisfaction? Because I see everybody, you know, they're the party life, they're drinking, they're, they're going to drugs, they're, 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 they're all this stuff, and it's like, this, is this what, this is what life's all about? If this is it, this is what we're gonna do with our time? Well, let me, let me see if it satisfies. He goes, everything is meaningless. He goes, I denied, I denied myself nothing my eyes desired. Whatever Solomon saw, he grabbed it because he, had, he was the king, he had money, he had power, nothing was withheld from him, he could try everything out. You have to understand, Solomon didn't go to parties, he was the party. Like, name your favorite comedian, he had him playing on Monday at his house. Name your favorite band, he had him performing in his backyard on a Tuesday. He had everything. He did it all. Nothing was withheld from him. And he's saying this, I, I denied nothing my eyes desired. I refused my heart, no pleasure. I did it all. I took heart, my heart took delight in all my labor, and this was my reward for my toil. Yet, when I surveyed all that my hands had done and all that I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless, a chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. You ever, like, plan a, an event, like, like a like, you know, birthday party or, like, a surprise party, and you're excited, you're pumped for it, you can't wait to see your friends, you can't wait to see the smile on their face, and then you have the party, and it's great, the, the surprise was a success, and then, you know, everybody, you know, okay, we got work tomorrow, we got to go, we're leaving, bye. And it's like, the house gets more empty. People start leaving. You got to pick up all the confetti. The kids are screaming everywhere. And you're like, that's it? Like, we're not going to keep going? It's like, no, dude, we got to work tomorrow. We can't party all the time. That's what Solomon is saying. I had the parties. I tried it out. I went to South Beach. I went to downtown Miami. I hit up all the clubs. I did it all. But... Sooner or later, the club has to close. They got to turn on the lights and clean everything. You got to go home. You got to go back to your life. You got to go back to work. You got to go back to your family. You got to go back to your wife. You got to go back to your friends. And Solomon's saying, I did all that, and all of it was meaningless. A chasing after a win. No point in it. You have to understand, he knew. What's crazy about Solomon is that he knew God. He had a relationship with God, yet he chose to have a foot in the world. Because he was like, just a taste, just a little curiosity. And you have to understand, a little, a little curiosity will lead to big animosity with God. A little curiosity, like, God, I understand. I, I'm listening to you, Phil, and I think I'm going to give my life to Jesus. But, but why do I, do I have to give everything up? Like, do I have to give up the party life? Do I have to give up the drinking and the smoking and this and that and the things that give me satisfaction? Do I have to give that up? Because that's what Solomon was doing. He was, he was with God, but he was with the world. And he couldn't really find that purpose and he couldn't really find that meaning because he was stuck in two places because his curiosity led to big animosity with God. 
And I'm not saying animosity in a negative connotation of like, God's going to hate you and God's going to look down on you. But it's like God wants to bless your life. But if we're so curious about what the world has and we put him in our back burner, then we're going to have animosity. Our relationship is not going to be what it's meant to be. Because you have a void in your heart. The Bible says that eternity is in your heart. And you can fill it with whatever you want. But the place that it's meant for is Jesus in your life. And you can do everything the world has to offer, but you'll never be satisfied. I want you to look at 1 John chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, or 15 through 16. And this is the message version. And I love how the message person puts it. It says, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically, everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, nothing has to do with the Father. It just isolates you from him. The world and all it's wanting and wanting and wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. If you want eternity in your heart, you want to have meaning and purpose that will last like, that will last you eternity, it starts by walking in the ways of God. It starts by having a relationship with Jesus. You can leave here knowing that your life can be made brand new and then you don't have to know that, ah, oh, Phil, my life is over. I'm stuck with this sin. I'm stuck with this addiction. I, I, I'm trying to control my future. I'm trying to control my past, but you can't do it. But it's time to say, you know what? I'm not going to walk in the ways of the world. I'm going to walk in the ways of the word. And what it tells me is that God wants to give me eternal life. Not temporary life. Eternal. Meaning forever. Forever and ever. Like, like you're, you're never going to doubt what your purpose is. Like, I know that I'm on this earth because I'm, I'm called to tell other people about a purpose in Jesus, an eternity in Jesus. That I know that one day I'm going to see Jesus face to face and my life is not going to be over, but it's just going to be beginning. Don't live with an under the sun mentality. Don't live for eternal experiences. The only thing that can satisfy you inside, the only reality you need to understand is that Jesus is the only one that can fill you on the inside. Last but not least, my third and final point, it's don't lose sight of eternal life looking for temporary luxury. Don't lose sight of, of eternal life, of knowing where you're going to spend all eternity looking for temporary luxury. You know, I, 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 uh, I think a lot of us, we, we strive maybe for fame. We strive for money. We strive for, for influence. We strive for what the world see, like, shows us. And we're like, man, that, that, if I'm like that guy, then I've made it. If I'm like her, then I've made it. If I'm like this big CEO over here, then I've made it. And we look, maybe social media tells us, oh, I look at this person's page and they seem to have it all together. But really, social media is just someone's highlight reel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not like their full life. And I want to show this video, if media can put it up, of somebody who I think a lot of us can look up to. And we can look at this person and say, he's got it all together. But I want, to hear, I want you to hear what he has to say. If we can put it on the screen, media team. Tom Brady, the quarterback of the New England Patriots, is not only one of the NFL's best players, he's one of the NFL's great stories. At the tender age of 30, he has already won three Super Bowls, an accomplishment that ranks him with some of the best quarterbacks ever to play the game. And he's having one of the greatest seasons in pro football history. When we first reported on him back in 2005, he seemed underrated and almost overlooked. He doesn't have the arm of Peyton Manning, and he doesn't have tattoos, and he doesn't take steroids, and he's never held out for more money. All he knows how to do is win. <laughs> this is what you always wanted. You're right. You're right. It has. And I didn't think it came with all the other baggage, though. 
In addition to his success on the field and his sex appeal off it, there is also the $60 million 10-year contract to play with the Patriots. I mean, I'm making more money now than I ever thought I could ever make playing football. <laughs> but with all that money, fame, and career accomplishments, we were surprised to hear this from him. Why do I have three Super Bowl rings and, and still think there's something greater out there for me? I mean... Maybe a lot of people would say, hey, man, this is what it is. I reached my goal, my dream, my life is me. I thank God. It's got to be more than this. What's the answer? I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. I wish I knew. Tom Brady, we can add two more Super Bowls to his resume. We can add a Victoria's Secret model as his wife. He's got the great house. He's got the kids. But here's a man saying, there's got to be more than life than this. Like, I'm a football player, and, like, I would be satisfied just winning one Super Bowl ring, just making the playoffs. And here he's saying, there's got to be more than life than this. Like, this is it? Tom, do you know what the answer is? I, I wish I knew. Like, I wish I knew. If someone told me, maybe that I, then maybe I could find satisfaction. But isn't that all of us? I wish I knew. Like, walking around, like, what, what, there's got to be more than life than this. You got your job, you got your routine, you got your house, you got your kids. Maybe you're here today and you're like, yeah, I feel like I got all those things, but I don't have my youth and I feel like my time is up and I feel like God can't use me because of my age and I'm just walking around and no purpose. And I would just rebuttal, like, no, you still have purpose. You still have whatever, a God dream doesn't have an age limit. You know what I'm saying? Like, it doesn't, like, God wants to make you brand new right here, right now. You can have a brand new purpose, a brand new meaning. There, there is more to life. There is more to life, and it's in a relationship with Jesus. Tom Brady doesn't know the answer, and I hope one day someone will give him an opportunity to invite him to have Jesus in his life. Because that's the answer he's looking for. That's the answer we're all looking for. It's the answer we all, at one point in our life, we're looking for. But Jesus said in John 14, 6, that I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one gets to the Father except through me. Money can't, you can't buy your way to heaven. You can't work your way to heaven. You can't be entertained your way to heaven. What is it that you're holding on to? What is it, the temporary luxury that's keeping you away from eternal life? Is it entertainment, movies, music? Is it recreation? It's, ah, life is stressful. I need another vacation. I can't wait for my next vacation. But then you go on vacation, you come back to work, and you need another vacation. And you're in another cycle. Is it entertainment? Is it recreation? Is it family and friends? Family and friends are a gift from God, but they're, not, they're people and we're not perfect and they're not going to give you a temporary fix for an everlasting problem. I've noticed, you know, at concerts recently, I went to a concert and I noticed more and more, everybody's going to a concert and everybody has their phones out, right? Like everybody's recording the concert. And I'm not here to like, like I'm not trying to like rant and like, like say, con that's bad, don't do that because I do it myself, but I, what I've noticed is there was one girl next to me, and uh, she was like on Instagram live, like on the concert. I'm like, homegirl, like it's live already, like you don't need to go live. Like it's live right in front of you. But why do we do that? We record, we go live, because the real thing isn't, isn't as satisfying as us looking at through the phone, because we think we could go on the phone and guess what? I can keep this moment in my pocket and take it out and relive it again. But really what we're doing is, we're blocking ourselves from the true answer. Really, we go home and we look at the concert and it's like, man, that concert was awesome, but it's not the same as the real thing. 
the temporary experience that you get on your phone will never outmatch the actual real life experience you face real, in, 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 in real time, right? And that's the thing. I think so many of us in our lives are blocking our eternal life, are blocking what we need to do, looking through a temporary lens because Jesus is saying, the answer is right in front of you. It's me. But you need to get that phone out of my face and say, hey, you know what? Why don't you give me a chance? Why don't you, why don't you accept me into your life? And say, I'm going to stop trying to record everything for the moment-to-moment life. But I'm going to give my life to Jesus. I'm not going to waste my life on temporary things. I'm going to give my life to something that's eternal. And that is Jesus Christ. You don't have to live under the sun anymore. You can live with eternity in your heart. You can know that everything on this earth is here today and gone tomorrow, including us. What are we going to do? Solomon is saying, man, life is meaningless without God. But once you have God in your life and you have eternity in your heart, then you'll see true purpose. When we start to see Jesus Christ for who he is, we'll see the world for what it is. It's empty, shallow, unfulfilling. There's good things in it. There's fun stuff. I love it. There's a lot of fun things. I, I love, I love the city. I love Miami. But there's nothing in this city that's going to give me true satisfaction like Jesus will. If we can bow our heads and close our eyes, just for a moment of privacy, a moment of intimacy. Maybe you're here today and you're asking life's toughest questions. What is life? What is, me, what is the meaning of all this? Is this it? There's, there, Phil, there's got to be more than life than this. And I would tell you that there is. And it's a relationship with Jesus Christ. You're walking around and you're going through the motions. You feel like you're stuck in a cycle. You feel like you're stuck just same thing over and over. Same conversations. Same, same time getting to work. Same this, same this. And you feel like your life... Like, what's the next thrill? I need the next thrill because if I don't, then my life is going to be so boring and mundane and average. And you have to know that your purpose on life, God gave you a purpose. And that purpose is for your life not to be average, your life not to be boring and not to be mundane. But he gave you a purpose, and it's to go out into the world, to go out and live out your God dream, to go out and save others and let other people know about Jesus Christ. It's the greatest meaning of life. It's the greatest purpose that anybody can give, be given. And Jesus wants to give it to you here today. You need a brand new life. You need a fresh start. Today can be your day. You have to understand we're, we're, we're sinners. You're a sinner. I'm a sinner. We're not perfect. We make mistakes. It's sin that separates us, separates us from God. And God is saying, I, I, I've sent my son Jesus to die on the cross for you and for me. That, that, that you would accept his sacrifice and your life would be changed forever. The Bible tells us that while we were still sinners, while we still made mistakes, while we still messed up, God had that in, our, in his mind while he was on the cross. But he did it because he loved us, because he cared for us. And today, he wants to give you brand new life that, you could be, that could be found on the cross and his sacrifice. If that's you, you want a brand new start, you want to accept Jesus and invite him into your heart and start a brand new relationship with Jesus here today. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed, on the count of three, if that's you, can you just raise your hand? One, two, three. Lift up your hand. God bless you. I see you. God bless you. I see you. Amazing. Anybody else? They want to accept Jesus into their heart. God bless you. I see you. Amazing. Anybody else? That the Bible tells us that today is the day of salvation. Don't wait till tomorrow. Don't wait for you to have your life all together. You can't have your life together until you have Jesus. Anybody else? God bless you. Amazing. Thank you. Hallelujah.
Thank you. Thank you, Jesus. Hey, for everybody that raised their hand, you just made the greatest decision of your life. You now have new meaning. You have new purpose. And what we want to do is just lead you in a prayer. And this prayer is not a prayer that saves you. It's not a prayer to the church. It's not a prayer to me. It's a prayer to you and your heavenly father, Jesus. And we're believing that your days, the best days of your life are ahead of you. And it's a repeat after me prayer in church. Let's come alongside them. Let's celebrate with them. Let's back them up as they make this decision. It's a repeat after me prayer. And it goes like this. Lord Jesus, I open my heart. I invite you inside to be my friend, to be my savior. Forgive me of my sins. Wash me clean. From this day forward, I want to follow you all the days of my life. Give me a new purpose. Give me a new meaning. And give me a fresh new life. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Come on, church. Can we make some noise? Follow those hands that went up.